It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello, honey, and welcome to Honey Do Me Podcast. I'm Cass. And I'm Emma, and we're just two gals looking for a good lay. Aren't we all? (laughs) But when it comes to sex, we're just as lost as you and have no idea what we're doing. Luckily, we will stop at nothing to get the answers we need. Cue our expert guests. We're ready to overshare and ask all the embarrassing questions so you don't have to. By the end of every episode, you will be dripping in actionable steps and ready to take on the damn world. Or at least take it from behind. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us, honey. How do you do you? You can do both at once. I can do You're both. a talented lady. Did you see how far your mm-hmm. forefinger and thumb stretched out to make I that work? I have long fingers. You do have long fingers. And I have long nails. And so all together, these things are little uh, spears. They're, they're like spears. pickle spears. <laughs> like when you, you can just stick your hand in a pickle jar and come out with snacks. Exactly. I don't even need one of those special pickle picker uppers. No. No. You have your talons. You have reptile hands, but in the best way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. It feels like such a compliment. Moving on. I'm married. I was going to say, but you have more metal on that reptile hand yeah, now. Not right now because uh, I ordered my ring a little small and my <laughs> fingers are quite swollen right now because it's hot. It is hot. Uh, so right now I don't have more metal on my finger. But you're but a wifey. I don't like that word. Wifey but yeah, lady. I'm married. I have a husband. I'm feeling weird about that word, but that's okay. I didn't have a sex on my wedding night because I was overwhelmed <laughs> and overstimulated and I didn't have sex the next night either. No. And today's the next night, so I'm not sure yet. <laughs> I feel like that's such a impossible standard that people like newlyweds are held to. It's like Absolutely. you just spent the last year of your life preparing for one day. Try three. This is yeah, the third three. time we fucking planned this. And then you're told to also let that all go after hosting an entire day and go have amazing sex on the night of your wedding. It it's happen. like, I don't fucking want to. Like, don't, no one touch me for the next exactly. two weeks. Please. Exactly. I was so fucking overstimulated. It was fun. We had like this really fun, cute hotel room with this big pink bathtub. He took a bubble bath by himself one night. I sat next to it. He, <laughs> it was, that was fun. That was magical for him. It Yerg. was quite magical for him. Yeah. yeah great. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't have premarital sex anymore. Kind no. of a bum. Bumskis. <laughs> Bumskis. Um, so you got to have it for me. I, I'm working on it, <laughs> my man. 
I really am. I'm putting in <laughs> putting the in work. the hours. Putting in and putting out. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> As you should. As you should. But yeah, your wedding was beautiful. We had yeah, so much fun. It was perfect. I'm so happy. I'm married and I'm tired. And you're tired. <laughs> and you had two uh, surprise visitors. Come. They weren't strippers. They weren't strippers, but they were police officers. They were. We got the party shut down. We were a little loud, all 24 of all us, 24 with our classic us. rock yeah. music at 10.30 p.m. Listening to, like, Beasts of Burden yeah. in the backyard. <laughs> like, okay. Um, but they left. No fines, yeah. no issues. No fines, They no got problem. out of my business. Yeah, that was super funny, though. I was like, this, this is the last person that should get the cops called on them. I know. Cassandra. Like I'm such a good girl. You're such I'm such a good girl. But it was really funny and your wedding was amazing and Thank I'm happy you. you're married. Well I'm happy you were there. Emma gave a very, very sweet speech and uh, she cried. Shut and it up. was so cute because every time she would get too choked up to speak, she would go quiet because she had a mic and she'd be like, Fuck <laughs> <laughs> And that was my favorite. She was like, this is so fucking hard. <laughs> In between talking in like a normal voice, just whispers of <laughs> But it was very sweet. Oh, leave me alone. <laughs> it was so much harder to talk about you too when you're right in front of me. I was like, God damn it, I love them so much. This is hard. Well, fuck. Like, I can't wait for the wedding video. I really hope they caught that because oh that was one God. of my favorite moments. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm dead. Yeah. I, I, it's fun talking to a mic in front of you. Mm -hmm. And we do talk in front of a lot of people after the fact. After the fact. It's delayed. But the fact that I had to talk in front of all your family and friends <laughs> and then about how much I love you. I was like, ooh, I'm going to cry. It's different. <laughs> you did. And I did. Anyway, Anyways. let's talk about how much of a stone cold sex haver I am. I was just going to say, Sorry. I wasn't sure what uh, verbiage you were going to use. I wasn't sure if it was stone cold slut, stone but I like stone cold, cold sex Stone haver. cold Steve Austin. I mean, that's TikTok. <laughs> I've only loved two people in my life. <laughs> well, this guy wasn't stone cold Steve Austin, but he was pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like him quite a bit. <laughs> I do enjoy his company. Um, so I've been waiting to tell you this because yes. I wanted your honest reaction on this intro. She told me this. Like she in tickled it. Uh, that's the wrong word. Teased it. She, 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 she flicked my nipple with this a little bit. Scratched my clit just just a bit uh, with this info, but didn't give me the full Monty. Um, she said this like a day oh my before God. my wedding. We were all so busy. Oh my God. Um, she tickled my clit with it. So go ahead. Lay it on me now. So bring um, you to a full O. <laughs> I'm going to bring you to a full O. So I told you guys last week that I had sex with this guy I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. um, but what I didn't tell you was that I didn't finish from sex. And so we were laying there mm -hmm. and he was like, well, you have you have toys, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah I do. I've always it was like they're right over there. And he got up and got my satisfier. And he's like. Did he pick it or did you tell him to pick that one? I think one? I said I've always wanted to use that one like in sex okay. or something. Because I was going to say, what a keen eye. What a keen eye. For an untrained. <laughs> for an, an untrained fellow. Dragon. dragon. <laughs> I know how to train my dragons. <laughs> you grab a satisfier, bring that back to mommy. Good boy. <laughs> right here. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> anyway, um, and he's like, use it. And I was like, 
okay. So I started using the satisfier on myself and he, all he like just started kissing me and like kissing my neck, but I like, we weren't having sex or anything. I was just using it on myself and I like got so into it and I mm -hmm. ended up having an orgasm and he like really wanted to watch me. So when I like started having an orgasm, he like pulled back and just kind of like watched. Yeah. Oh my God, you brave, brave I know. woman. I could, I was like, this is the first time I've ever done this. Like I've never like really masturbated in front of someone. That's like full on. Yeah. It's like a toy. And that's like a different level of orgasm too. Yes, absolutely. Oh Satisfying orgasm. Are you kidding me? That's so, uninhibited pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> so it was really fun and he had never done it either. Um, and I felt really comfortable. I think cause we were like kissing mm -hmm. during it too. Um, but we like just talked about mutual masturbation and yeah. I'd never done it with a person. And now it wasn't mutual. It takes one more to make it mutual, but <laughs> it takes two to make it mutual, <laughs> but it was one sided and he did watch. Oh so my God. That was really fun. Great orgasm too. I one eighth, <laughs> one eighth of an orgasm right there. <laughs> right there. <laughs> Seven more to go. <sighs> That's amazing. I am like so in awe of you right really now. Fun. I because what's interesting is when I was doing mutual masturbation for the episode, trying it out for the episode uh, <laughs> on YouTube. You can go check it yeah, out. Uh, just find the right playlist. Um, <laughs> that was something that Yurik brought up. He's like, "Oh, you just use it, and I'll watch you." And mm. I was like, "Uh, -uh no, absolutely not." Um, I was very nervous, so yeah. you've inspired me. Yeah, maybe, you definitely should. Maybe I'll just go for it. I uh, slept over at his house the other night, too, and I didn't finish. Like, we had sex, but, mm -hmm. I, I, didn't fin but I was fine because we had amazing sex. And he was like, you know, you should like you should just bring a toy with you next time. Like, if we're going to be at you my house. You should just keep one there. I should, I should, he should just buy me one is the point. I'm sorry. But so I, I appreciate his confidence with toys in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that's not something we had to talk through. Right. That's really cool because yeah. that also shows his confidence yeah. in just like being a human being being and human understanding being. how sex works. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. Have you thought about using the like Eva one, the little bug that you like put oh, in yeah. your vulva? I did think about that too, but mm -hmm. I knew I was going to have an orgasm with a satisfier mm. and I wanted an orgasm. Yeah. So I was like, get me that one. <laughs> I want one in 15 seconds. Yeah. It did not take long. Yeah. It was cool. It never does. But anyway, I wanted to tell you and uh, everyone else that. Everyone. Anyway, that's all. Today, we're talking about other things. Other things. Still sex. Always sex. Always sex. Um, but we're talking about codependency, mm -hmm. which was not something that I was super familiar with before this episode. And honestly, I can't even say I was like, oh, yeah, that definitely makes sense to talk about. I was kind of like, I don't super get it. But my mind was Blown. Mm -hmm. I am such a codependent bitch. Yeah. Like, holy mm -hmm. shit. And mm -hmm. I have been working on it and I've had all these really cool experiences since really like since recording this episode and really thinking about what codependency means and just holy shit, I can't wait for you to I don't I don't even want to describe it too much because I don't no. have the words for it the way that Victoria yeah. does. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, yeah, I have been so it's been so fun to watch you because I feel like we both have like really taken to this episode mm -hmm. but you have made big moves since this episode and like really internalizing mm -hmm. what victoria said so yeah i think you guys should just listen uh cast it beautifully so see you on the other side yeah
So, hi, my name is Victoria Albina. I use she, they pronouns. I live on occupied Monsi Lenape territory in the Hudson Valley, just north of New York City. I am a functional medicine nurse practitioner, a master certified life coach, certified breathwork meditation facilitator, and host of the Feminist Wellness Podcast. Wow. That's so Those many, my words. so many wonderful things. I love that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So, I collect those words. Yeah. I collect them. I collect them and spit them right back out. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I practice in the shower. It helps. Yeah. Yeah. So where we first heard about you, well, through Podcast Ally, but we want to talk about codependence in a relationship and how yeah. that affects, you know, your sex life, your connection with your partner. Mm-hmm. But we also want to start by like defining what codependence totally. is. So could yeah. you start there for us? With great joy. Cause I think it's a, it's a place where there's a lot of confusion. Mm-hmm. So yes. I, I'm glad to start there. So I think of codependent thinking as habitually and chronically sourcing our self-worth, our validation, our wellness uh, from everyone and everything in the world outside of ourselves instead of from within. So it's the chronic state of feeling that we're less than and needing the world, everyone and everything in it to prove to us constantly that we are worthy of being alive, that we are lovable, that frankly, we're okay. Mm -hmm. So massively impacts our sex life. I think I'm familiar with that. I think (laughs) think I've had a round or two with that. And what can that look like? Like what, yeah. how does that look when you're seeking that type of validation outside of yourself? Yeah. So two of the key symptoms I see of it are perfectionism and people pleasing. So we want to look <laughs> impeccable, right? There is nothing wrong with us. Everything's right. We're doing everything right all the time, which also makes us wicked defensive, Mm-hmm. Sorry, also known as hella defensive for the West Coast. <laughs> Just want to make yeah. sure to translate that real quick. I really like um, wicked. So, yeah, I like yeah. that way yeah. better than hella. You like that? Yeah. Keeping it New England. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right on. So, yeah, of course we're defensive, right? Because anything that even hints that we're not perfect is this huge blow to our fragile sense of self. It also shows up as people pleasing and putting others ahead of ourselves because the story in our brain goes, I need to keep everyone happy with me at all times. Because if not, then they will stop validating my worthiness of having oxygen and air and food and living indoors, which all boils down to, I'm not worthy of being safe. I can't be safe. I'm not safe. And then our nervous system gets all jacked and I can get into that, of course. That's so interesting to me because I feel like those are two examples that I would not have correlated with being dependent. When I think of like being dependent, um, I think of more of like an outward sense of like, please validate me, like tell me I'm pretty. But those things that you described, I feel like I do (laughs) a lot. Mm -hmm. And I always, not that they're strong characteristics, but Mm. that they present as you are strong, you know, like you are perfect. You have it all together. You, you know, and so I just didn't correlate those with like being a dependent person, but I got a lot to think about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not the traditional definition of codependency that, Mm -hmm. that we hear. Right. Mm -hmm. So we hear about it as a label. Someone is a codependent. They're just like 
stuck with that forever. Um, It's just like who they are. And we tend to think of like the wife of the alcoholic, right? Like that's the very traditional framing of it. Uh, And a lot of cowering and a lot lot of like, okay, honey, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And it can show up that way. Absolutely, for sure. But when we bring a feminist lens to it, a post-colonial lens to it, uh, it's very easy to see how in white settler colonialism, in late stage capitalism, in the patriarchy, this can show up in all these other much more subtle and complex ways, Mm -hmm. like perfectionism, like people pleasing, like being wildly independent, which can be a form of codependence often breaks the brain that one yeah but um right (laughs) Um, because the opposite of codependence is not independence it's interdependence okay so we were wondering about that yeah yeah Uh, I want to get into all I'm like okay I want to get into all of it but I'm wondering if first we can get into a few more examples of how this can show up in regards to like a romantic or sexual relationship and maybe even in regards to sex specifically For sure. For sure. So really key things like not being present, Mm -hmm. right? Not being conscious of your desire. So let's start with not being present. So if you have spent a lifetime focused on everyone and everything outside of yourself, that's not going to be any different in the bedroom, right? You're always worried. Like, how do I look? How do I smell? How do I taste? Am I doing this right? Are the noises I'm making right? Are they enjoying it? Right. You're always having that outward focus, which completely takes you out of presence, completely takes you out of self-connection, right? When you're so focused on the other person or people that are involved, you're, you're not home. You're not anchored in your own body in those moments because you're not anchored in yourself in anywhere in life, really, to put a, a very broad brush on it, mm-hmm. right? And so that then comes with self-consciousness, which takes us out of presence and takes us into worrying about everyone else. Um, And then the people pleasing, right? Really focusing on what we believe will make other people happy instead of what we want. And so this core thing that I hear all the time, not just about sex, but about like, what do I want for dinner? What movie should we watch tonight? Is this this real disconnect uh, from our own desires, our own wants, our own needs, because we've spent a lifetime trying to prevent chaos, prevent conflict, prevent stress, distress, and trauma, right? Trying to keep everyone else from telling us there's anything wrong with what we want, because we take that to mean there's something wrong with who we are. Mm -hmm. So I hear this all the time from my clients and feedback from my shows of like, I don't know what I want. I don't know if I want coffee or tea in the morning. So like, how do I know what position I want in bed or like what I want? Yeah. Like how do I know what wanting feels like? Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking that my partner and I, we always talk about like what what we want to order for dinner or what we want for dinner. And that's a really, really hard question for me. And I see like a bunch of TikToks about it, like making fun of that concept. And it's like, but it is really hard because my entire life I've been taught I should want something that's going to make me skinnier. Right. But I also have all of these, like then I became vegan and like did all these other things and restricted myself in all of these ways. So that taught me to only want certain things. Right. And so I actually have like, I'm so far disconnected from knowing what I actually want to eat because I've yeah. been taught what I want is probably bad. 
Right. And I feel like that totally translates into sex as well. And it's like, it's fucking hard. And I don't know what it feels like to want something. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what it feels like to just authentically want Mm -hmm. and know for sure that that's me asking for that. Right. Yeah. And then to not judge it. Right. Mm -hmm. And not to be like, oh, I I should want the salad. Right. I should want the grilled chicken or, you know, (laughs) tofu. And it's like, no, I want friggin' pizza. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because pizza's delicious and you're not an idiot. And you're not <laughs> exactly like. Let's be real. Yeah, when you pizza's were good. pizza's good, pizza's good. When you were describing, um, you know, codependence in the bedroom and being the pleaser and overthinking, that came off to me as like how I've always coined it as I'm just insecure in the bedroom. I'm insecure mm. about my body. I'm insecure. Like I'm just really self conscious. So is that yeah. different than being codependent, or are those two the same things? I mean, you know, it's, it's a spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, like so many of these things we talk about. Um, But I think there can be a significant overlap, right? Because again, it's about that outward gaze and worrying more about someone else and, and their beliefs, their thoughts in the moment we, okay. So when we sort of boil it down, the internal story of perfectionism and people pleasing is about other people, but it does actually come back to how we think and feel about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I always use like a ridiculous example, because those are the ones our nervous system can yeah. let in <laughs> and not get reactive to. But like, if you had an arm growing out of your forehead, right. And you were like, dude, how freaking cool am I? I've got like this <laughs> extra arm. It's growing out of my forehead. It's so convenient. I can do so many things with it. <laughs> it can reach you the top shelf. Like, yeah. Right? It's like amazing. It's like bangs, <laughs> but it's an arm. And you're like, oh my God, it's the coolest thing ever. Then like, you don't worry what anyone else thinks about it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's part of your worth. It's part of your value. You have self-validated. And so if someone's like, dude, your arm is weird. You're like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I don't care about your opinion about it. Cause I know it's super dope, mm-hmm. but if you're walking around insecure about it, you're going to project that onto all the people around you. And you're going to, your brain is going to pre-assume presume <laughs> that people are going to think that it's weird. People are going to think that it's a problem. People are going to think it's strange or yucky or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is hitting. I know. It really is. <laughs> it's really hitting. Exactly. It's like things that I've, like, that are literally just so foundational to my experience mm-hmm. that it's like I didn't have the words for them. And now it's like, mm-hmm. like, they're so normalized, too. Like, it's normalized yeah. to be a people pleaser. Yeah. And it's normalized yeah. to be, like, perfectionism. Encouraged. Is, yeah. You it's, know? Perfectionism. Totally encouraged. Yeah. Absolutely well, encouraged. But that's an important part, right? Because these traits, while they suck for us, right? Like they don't serve the person doing it. They do at the same time, right? Like how do you get into the C-suite? People please everyone around you. Be a Mm -hmm. rabid perfectionist. Do everything so impeccably that there's no choice but to promote you, right? Mm -hmm. Right? How do you keep your family of origin happy with you when you're a child, right? You keep them a while. You get the straight A's. You get Mm -hmm. the gold medal, right? You live in that perfectionist fantasy because it, it does serve us externally, mm-hmm. right? It gets us accolades. It gets us promotions. It gets us raises. Right. And then there comes a point where we get to say, we get to ask ourselves what matters more in this lifetime, what everyone else thinks of me and how mm-hmm. they 
celebrate me and how they say, like, give me those atta girls? Or does my own internal lived experience, the somatic bodily experience of being me, is that the thing I want to prioritize? Is that the thing to privilege over everyone else's story about me? And I remember when I like hit that point where I was like, oh, the me, like yeah. my experience mm-hmm. of me, mm-hmm. that's, that's what actually matters. Mm-hmm. And if people don't like it, that's challenging, right? We're mammals, we're pack animals, we want to be liked. That's, you know, that whole like, it doesn't matter what other people think about you. There's some BS in there mm-hmm. biologically, you know, because science, right. right? We need to be liked. We want to be liked. It's, it's part, it's built into our nervous system, but prioritizing that over what I like, that's, I'm no longer available for that. Right. Cause that left me feeling like shit that left me with chronic pain, the digestive issues, thyroid issue, like adrenal issue. Like my whole body was like, yo, cut it out. Mm-hmm. Stop seeking this outside validation and, and turn inward, get present with yourself. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 you're bringing up you know these responses that you get before you prioritize yourself first like can we also talk about what those are you know like what is like this stress response what's that mm-hmm. adrenal oh. you know you were saying like what are we experiencing oh, yeah. before yeah. we're prioritizing our own values and like yeah yeah i mean i mean i can start with a polyvagal 101 if you want me to nerd out hard please let's nerd out yeah. hard Okay. All right. Do you have your safety goggles on? I'm buckled yeah, in. Goggles are on. protectors yeah. ready to go. No clothes to shoes in the lab. Thank you. <laughs> oh, God. I love talking about the nervous system. It's And it's so pivotal for sex. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, whew. I mean, yeah, you can't orgasm if you're not regulated. You can't truly enjoy what's going on right. if you're not regulated. Mm-hmm. So, polyvagal 101. So uh, the polyvagal theory is the work of Dr. Stephen Porges, PhD. He's a total like nerds, nerd, nerd. He studied heart rate (laughs) variability in neonates. Um, If anyone listening is like, oh, I should go read his work. Maybe don't. Uh, I mean, it's amazing, (laughs) but it's like textbooky stuff, Uh right? Mm -hmm. So Deb Dana is a social worker and she puts it into English. I also have several episodes of my podcast, Feminist Wellness, where I also English it, which, you know, nurses, we put yeah. things into English, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Go nurses. Little plug Go for nurses. nurses. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we're the best. Um, yeah, so what we understand is that the vagus nerve, which is the 10th cranial nerve, the longest nerve in the human body, enervates or gives nerve function to pretty much everything within us. So it controls our heart rate, our breathing, our digestion, thyroid, adrenals, reproductive function, uh, everything. And so the vagus nerve is... Uh, through the nervous system is constantly monitoring the world and asking the question, is my human safe? And so when it detects unsafe, it reacts. And it reacts in one of two primary ways, which is to take us into sympathetic activation, which is fight or flight, or into dorsal shutdown, which is also the freeze response. So that's like deer in the headlights, possum playing possum, a gazelle after a lion has caught her will play dead so that the lioness will, because, you know, it's 
it's the lioness who hunts, mm -hmm. which I think is so hot. Rock it out, so lioness. <laughs> right? It's so hot. Um, right? Absolutely. So she'll then go get the cubs and bring them on back. And in the meanwhile, because she thought the gazelle was dead, mm -hmm. the gazelle gets up and, and activates and can run away. So, <laughs> isn't that so dope? Yeah. So genius. So <laughs> smart. But that moment when she's playing dead is called dorsal vagus. Yeah. And so sympathetic is when we're ruled by adrenaline, norepinephrine, and eventually cortisol. And dorsal is an acetylcholine state. It's um, sympathetic is foot on the gas. We're revved up. We're anxious. We're worried. We're stressed. We're, oh my God, what's happening? I have to do this right. I have to keep everyone happy with me. I have to like in bed, be like moaning and doing the things in the perfect way. Like I saw on that video and it has to like really turn this person on. Like, that's my job is like, I'm anxious about doing this right. Mm -hmm. And then dorsal is foot all the way off the gas and all the way on the brake. I'm sad. I'm checked out. I'm isolated. And I just, I don't know. I just, I don't want to go out tonight. You guys, I just want to like sit on the couch. I don't want to, I don't know. I'm just kind of dorsal about this. It can also look like in a challenging conversation or conflict, it can look like shutting down. Um, and in its more extreme forms can look like dissociate, like clinical dissociation. Um, all of our nervous systems have a home away from home, home being the ventral vagus response. And ventral vagus is safe and social. You got a little gas, enough gas to like live your life, put on pants, make a sandwich, <laughs> do life. Mm -hmm. And you've got enough dorsal that you can like sit and have a conversation with a friend and not be antsy, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can have shavasana, you can have a chill, calm, quiet experience. And so that's in ventral vagus. All of our nervous systems have a home away from home, right? When we're not in ventral vagus, when we get activated, where do we go? Some people start to fight and to get anxious and worry. I check out. And so in conflict, my brain is just like, wait, 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 what? What did you say? What did you? I don't. Uh -huh. What? Yeah. Where? Where? What? Where? <laughs> Who? Me? No. <laughs> you, you. But No. <laughs> Right. Uh -huh. So it's like a, like dissociation light is, is how I like to call it. It's like a the diet. diet Coke of yeah, dissociation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Caffeine free, obviously, yeah. you know, foot on the brakes. So, um, when we get to know our nervous system and we get to, we learn to map it, which is what I do with my clients. We can understand where we tend to go so we can then learn what we need to do for ourselves and our nervous system to bring us home and get anchored again in ventral vagus. Because in ventral vagus is where our bodies work optimally. Cognition is working. You know, your brain's just humming along and you can have thoughts and you can do the meta thought work of thinking about your thoughts. Thyroid, adrenals, digestion, and sexual function are at their peak when we're in ventral vagus. The other two states aren't bad. Again, they're necessary for putting on pants and having mm -hmm. shavasana. The issue comes when we go there fast and don't know how to bring ourselves back. And when we go there fast and stay there. Yeah. When we go anxiety or shut down become our steady state. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to find those moments of joy, of connection, of being social, feeling safe in the world. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about sex, one has to feel safe right. in order to have a pleasurable sexual experience. Like mm -hmm. that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah.
So understanding what's going on in your nervous system and learning what your specific nervous system wants and needs in order to come back to ventral vagus, I think is absolutely key for clear communication in the bedroom, um, for sexual pleasure, for just for sex to be the awesome, amazing, beautiful thing it can be. And that's really challenging from codependent thinking, because again, we're so externally focused that we're either all up and sympathetic or we're collapsed into dorsal and checked out and not present. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. You made that so much English. That yeah. Was, Why, thank you. It thank was you very much. <laughs> such a beautiful like circle into how all of that connects mm-hmm. to you and your sex life. I'm just like sitting with it. Like, yeah. Damn. Damn. Science. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it, it's so dope. <laughs> it is. And it's so frustrating how like all these systems go against it and then hurt us. And then hurt us. Well, but, but, but wait, hold on a second, right? Because they don't want to hurt us. Oh, I meant like patriarchy. Oh, okay. When you said systems, I thought you meant uh, biological no, systems. No, I mean like social Sorry, I, systems. I have my nerd glasses on. Yeah, the patriarchy no. wants to completely fuck us up. Yeah, yeah no, that's... Yeah, that's yeah, for sure. Our just, biological yeah. systems are just trying to take care of us. Like when you talked about like the Vegas nerve just being like, is my human safe? I was yeah. like, that makes me um, want to cry. <laughs> it is tenderoni. It is super tenderoni. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the patriarchy can fuck off. Yeah, yeah it can fuck <laughs> yeah. right off. That one's bad. Yeah, yes. that's the bad one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is it possible when you're in a, like, a sexual moment, you're having sex or about to, and you feel like you're transitioning into this either fight or flight or dorsal reaction. Is it possible to come back to that central feeling, you know, like safety without completely stopping? Like how do, when you feel that arise, how do you come back? That takes practice and work. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's like, if you get actually triggered, Mm -hmm. um, so triggered being the clinical definition of going into the extremes of fight or flight or dorsal, Mm -hmm. um, and having like actual shutdown in the nervous system. Um, yeah, it's, it's completely possible and it, it definitely takes work and it takes building the groundwork of safety Mm -hmm. in the relationship, in the connection with the other person or people to, uh, be able to foster a space where you can, can do that. Um, yeah. So I now, if I like have a flashback or get triggered during sex and anytime I say the word 
triggered. I mean it clinically, not like mm-hmm. hashtag triggered. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, they didn't have my favorite ice cream. I was like so triggered. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. my body I mean, went really. into a feigned death response mm-hmm. because of that, <laughs> yes. right? Um, so I used to need to like completely stop sex and like leave the room and like go do a thousand somatic practices to bring myself back into my body. Um, and now I can just sort of breathe and, and recalibrate internally. Like I'm, I'm okay. So here's what happens when we go into a trauma response is our bodies forget who, what, where, and when we are just not available. Like we just, because our, our brain, our nervous system really takes us back into the moment of trauma, the moment of dissociation, right? Because that was a protective response and your body friggin' loves you. And it's like, Oh, this, this is like the other thing. This is a bad, leave the room, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Because when you're in dorsal, when you're in that faint death response, when you're dissociated, your pain receptors are turned off, blood flow is slowed. Like your body's like, holy shit, I got to protect this animal right now. And so what's really important is that we remind ourselves, mind, body, spirit, nervous system, inner children, we remind them who, what, where, when, and why we are, Right. So one of the simplest exercises uh, is orienting. Uh, And orienting is when you literally orient yourself to the space. So like if you're new to college and they're like, that's the science lab and that's the, um, the dormitory and that's where you get food, right? They orient you to the space and you can reorient yourself to the space you're in. So we do that as a really simple exercise and it's a really vital one. It's sort of like nervous system 101. So you look around the room. Um, I like using colors that works really well for my physiology. So I'll look around the room and I'll say, what are three pink things I can see? So post-its, poster, socks. And then I'll look around and say, what are five blue things I can see, right? Book, screen, right? And, and orient myself to the space. Um, if you're in a trauma response or in an activation response and like thinking about colors or shapes or whatever is too much, you can really just look around the room and be like, I see a calendar. I see a printer. I see a mason jar. I see lights. I see a computer. I see a microphone. I see a whiteboard. I don't know why that stethoscope's on the floor. (laughs) I see a plant, right? Uh And and just literally just naming what you see, naming what you're feeling. Like I can feel my sweater on my skin. I can feel my hair on my ear. I can feel my earrings. I can feel my, my jeans. I can feel the seat holding me up. I can feel both feet on the floor, right? And so just, I'm here. I'm in this moment, this present moment, which is not the moment of trauma that my mind body went back to. Yeah. Like I'm here, I'm in bed with this person I care about or don't, but I'm in bed with this human. The sheets feel like this. The bed is soft. The pillows nice and firm, right? Like really when and where are you is a really vital first step. So The more you practice somatic practices, nervous system practices outside of the moment where your nervous system tends to get dysregulated, meaning to leave ventral vagus and go either into sympathetic or dorsal, the more that's a daily practice, the more able you are to do it in the moments you you need it, right? When you do get dysregulated. Mm -hmm. So very long answer to say, yes, it is possible and Mm -hmm. it, it takes some work. And right. that's okay. 
Yeah. Like that's normal. That's natural. Of course it takes some work. It's you're working with a really intense response from the nervous system because you maybe could have died or your mind body thought maybe you, you were going to die. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I have a clarifying question that I yes. might've just missed or I just, yeah. I really want to make sure it's clear in my brain. So we, yeah. you know, okay. talked about codependency and then you yeah. talked about the nervous system yeah. and these different states that we can go yeah. into. And in regards to sex, like, I guess I'm kind of wondering, and it, I guess it's, depends on the person is probably the answer, but like what happens right before we go into one of those states? Like, is that the trigger or is that like, you know, somebody could ask you, what do you want me to do now? And you are, you know, in that codependent state and that you're like, I don't know. And then you shut down or you get anxious or whatever that might be. Is that what's happening there? And like the codependency is underneath that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Got it. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it sort of belies the response, right? Okay. You think you have to perform a certain way, be a certain way, mm-hmm. please them a certain way. And so that's what activates your nervous system mm-hmm. because, because it's, so if we think about how things get programmed into the nervous system, it's, it's mostly ages zero to seven. Our mm-hmm. brains are in that theta wave state and everything we're taking in from society, culture, family of origin, religion, school, the media, everything is coming in as our programming and sets our nervous system and sets into place what, what the things are that activate us into sympathetic or into dorsal. Right. So our brain encodes safe and not safe in those early years. And it really is that binary. Like it's the mm-hmm. only binary I believe in, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like our limbic system, which is the reptilian brain, the, the hind brain, the uh, most evolutionary, o- evolutionarily old part of our brain. Um, that part is yes and no, safe, unsafe. Because if you think about it, it needs to be able to look out across the Serengeti and say, that is a lion, that is a tabby cat, Mm -hmm. right? Or in another setting, it needs to say, that is a cobra, that is a stick in the grass, that is a berry that will murder the shit out of me, (laughs) that is a delicious raspberry, Mm -hmm. right? So it has to be this early binary system, particularly when we're tinies, right? Mm -hmm. When we're zero to seven, like we're not developmentally really capable of of living beyond that kind of thinking. And so that gets coded into our nervous system. Um, and then is, is the, the map underneath the things that make 27 and 37 and 47 and 57 year old, you go, holy crap, they just asked what I want. Ah, <laughs> actual freak out. Like, this is not okay. This is not safe. Like being asked what I want as a kid meant I ran the risk of choosing the wrong thing, being negated, being judged, right? Having a parent have a response that made me feel less lovable, thereby making me feel less safe, thereby making my primitive brain say, they might stop feeding me, watering me, sheltering me, which means I'm going to die cold and alone on a mountaintop. Mm -hmm. And the nervous system goes to there like so fast. Yeah. Which so sounds fast. like a lot, but it makes so much sense because of how I know my train of thought can go. Right. Like right. I can think of one thing and all of a sudden I'm at this scenario where they have completely like left me and have no interest in talking to me whatsoever, you know, or whatever. Oh, it's totally. the worst case Anxious scenario. attachment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, cool. Sorry. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Sorry, permission to coach. We are a consent-based family over here. The sides of the mic. Sorry. Sorry. No, if I could, like, had a dollar every time someone has, like, given me coaching on this podcast, and I've loved oh. it every time. So Okay. Yeah. But one of my last things, I guess I have to say in terms of like this codependence and this fight or flight kind of response that you get is I'm someone that also likes to tell myself, like I, I like to talk to myself to help calm down. Mm, like also these great. somatic exercises could be super helpful, but it, I have to first name what's happening and kind of help talk myself down. So when we're experiencing that, like what what is like a phrase or how do we explain it to ourselves first and foremost to help like get us out of that moment. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, the, the first step has to be witnessing uh-huh. and being a non-judgmental witness. Cause I, most of us don't actually know what's happening in the moment that it's actually uh-huh. happening. Right. So really building awareness in that moment of like, Oh, my brain just did the thing. My nervous system just did the thing. Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, if you think about a culture and society that's so obsessed with jumping to action, right? Like jumping, like New Year's resolutions, right? On December 31st, you haven't exercised in a year. All you've eaten has been, I don't even know what. Um, And tomorrow, tomorrow is the day. You exercise for two hours a day. There's no booze, no caffeine, no sugar. All you eat is salad. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh We're obsessed with like jumping and that's, capitalism right mm-hmm. part yeah right so um we really do need to sit in the witnessing part often for for quite a while so we can build comfort with the discomfort mm-hmm. because what your nervous system most needs is for you to stay with it mm-hmm. that's how it knows that it's safe with you is if you stay with it while it's having these responses because remember yeah. it doesn't know when or where you are and so in that moment, it, it needs to know your nervous system, your inner children need to know you're with them. Does that make sense mm-hmm. as a, as a first step? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then from witnessing, like accepting what's going on and not fighting it. I think it's just, it's so common. And I, in my own life and from my clients, I hear this all the time. Like, Oh, I just, I would just need to push through it. Right. Like I just need to like get through it and like force myself. And I'm like, Oh, okay, feminism 101, consent, like, is your nervous system consenting? Like, I don't think so, babe. (laughs) Like, slow your roll, right? Mm -hmm. Like, no pushing, no forcing. Like, gentle encouragement, right? Lovingly witnessing, but not pushing yourself to, to be in any nervous system state other than that which you are, so you can soothe yourself be with yourself, attend to yourself in that moment, in that state, so that you can create an energy of allowance. So you can allow your nervous system to regulate itself and you can do things to support that process, absolutely, but but without pushing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm having like all of these very vivid 
like memories now of like, oh my God, mm. applying kind of like this framework to them. So something that happens to me sometimes, I'm, I've been with my partner for six years. He's an absolute angel. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes when we're having sex, I'll have a really emotional response that I don't have words for. Like sometimes I'll just yeah. start crying and I'll feel really yeah. sad and my body will shut down. And I'm not yeah. necessarily sure where that comes from, but I feel like I've been programmed to feel like I'll start apologizing and be like, I'm so sorry, right. like because I'm ruining the moment and he's like oh my god don't apologize like we don't need to have sex right now like what's happening and so I don't really I know I have questions in there but like Mm. where can those kinds of responses come from like are they trauma are they just somewhere in our body is it like you know it could be that he asked me what I wanted but I didn't process in that moment that like that was a difficult thing for me like where do those things come from I mean, my intuition is telling me, let's see how this Mm -hmm. lands, that like maybe the opposite is true because of the way you described it. And I'm obviously Mm -hmm. watching your face. That's what I do. I'm watching (laughs) your body. Like your shoulders are relaxed. You were smiling. Like your body looks soft in the moment of talking about this. And I'm wondering if it's not a trauma response, but actually a moment of resolution of where you feel so safe and so tender that you're able to cry and let something out that your body had been holding. Does that, how's that landing? Makes me want to cry now, but in like a very good way. Yeah. Damn. I've never thought it like that's such a reframe. Yeah. We don't need to pathologize everything. Yeah, Some things are really dope. Crying (laughs) during sex can be like, because you feel so wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had never cried during sex until my current partner because I've never felt so safe mm-hmm. because of them and what they bring, but because of me and the work I've done in the last many years on my nervous system, befriending my inner children, reparenting my inner children, healing my own trauma. Like all that work has led me to to be able to tap into that like deepest tenderness. Yeah. And sometimes it's just so goddamn beautiful. And it takes up space, which is scary in terms of my like perfectionist people pleaser of like, yeah, sure. I'm not supposed to make sex like about me, which is like complicated and I'm not supposed to like, it's, I don't know. Cause I remember somebody saying, I think I've talked about this before, but like, just in high school talking with all of these different people and they'd be like, well, are you a crier in bed? And there was like this whole thing about like being a something in bed. And it's like, maybe. (laughs) I don't cry all the time. So so probably. probably. Yeah. 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 And I think the patriarchy does teach humans socialized as women that we're not Mm -hmm. supposed to take up space anywhere at any point ever Mm -hmm. but particularly not in bed right like we are the object of the male gaze we are for male pleasure and that translates to queer relationships too and we're just for someone else right that our sexuality is not our own we're not supposed to enjoy it we're not supposed to be present to it so yeah maybe there's a thread of that in there too Mm -hmm. only you know but Yeah. yeah Well, the crying, (laughs) that sounded mean, your story (laughs) reminds me of, was it Janika Jewell that we had on, you know, like just letting loose Mm -hmm. in bed, you know, like this whole, like once you're safe and you feel like comfortable and 
you know, you do have all of these, whether it's like growling or yelling or crying, you know, it's like you have all of these responses because sex is so intimate or it can be. Sure. Um, And so it just does, it does make sense. Yeah. Just, just, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whenever you yeah. talk, my I get very like mushy. Like yeah. I feel very <laughs> relaxed and like in a trance. So I feel like I'm quiet, but it's just because you're very hypnotizing. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. It's just my my natural voice. Do you want to know the science of it though? Oh yes, yes. I do. So it's called prosody of voice. And so a prosodic voice is one with a gentle, natural inflection and a sort of sing-song quality to it. And it actually lets our nervous system know that we're safe, that it's okay to be in ventral vagus. Whereas someone with a monotonous voice, right, there's no inflection, there's no tones, or someone with shrillness to the voice, like, you know, those friends who are like, hey, girl, I'm not going to do it, because let's keep our nervous systems chill, but who are like, hey, girl, but like really Mm -hmm. very high pitched, high pitched is the sound of an animal dying, right? (laughs) Come on. True. Right? It's like someone caught the squirrel, like, (laughs) damn it. And our nervous systems react. Yeah. That's so, very true. That it's very so true. true. Girl, yeah. so your when, voice sounds like an animal yeah. dying. <laughs> I, okay, so I have this really yeah. sweet friend who I absolutely love. And every time I answer the phone, I was answering it, like holding it three feet from my face because she'd be like, oh my God. But it, like, it re- like rattled my nervous system. Mm-hmm. We had to talk about it. She's, she's since chilled out, but I'm just like, girl, you can't do that to me. And she's an adult. System. She can do anything she wants, but I'm not available for that. <laughs> no dying squirrel noises. Oh my God. That's uh, so funny. Yeah. I love yeah, that. And, but we can use prosody of voice to talk to ourselves. Right. So if I, my nervous system gets activated in general, but specifically in bed. Okay, Vic, you're fine. Everything's okay. Here's where you are. Here's what's going on. You're a consenting adult. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can you actively use prosody of voice, knowing what it's going to do inside my body to help me calm down, to help me center, ground, get present again. Is that something a partner could use as well to help you come back down or that you as a partner could use? Yep. Yeah. Like, hey, babe, everything's okay. You're here with me in this moment. Not everything's okay in a negating Mm -hmm. way, right? Like, and I would, of course, recommend that these words and phrases be chosen ahead of time, Mm -hmm. right? right? So like, if I get triggered, if I get activated, if I'm not present, are you available to help me? And if so here are some words that you could use and, and, you know, co-create that, um, which is evidence of interdependence, right? The move towards mutuality and reciprocity. And yeah, using, being really conscious to use that prosodic voice can be really, really helpful on, because science. Mm -hmm. Because science. I really want to get into interdependence, but I'm wondering if really quick, there's any other, not really quick, that makes, I don't want (laughs) to, speed it up but um any other somatic exercises that we can be incorporating in the bedroom when we are having one of these experiences activations Mm. Um, yeah yeah oh my gosh so many so this is an amazing practice because you can use it whether you're however you're dysregulated so if you're in dorsal it can help to bring some activation energy uh and if you're in 
sympathetic and you're revved up, it can help to sort of calm you down and bring you down into ventral vagal. Uh, and it's a beautiful practice. I like to do this every morning as part of my wake the animal up routine. And so I take one of my hands um, and I'm going to make the assumptions for this practice that one ha- the listener has use of both hands and arms. And if that's not the case for you, rock out what your ability says is your thing to do. That's perfectly awesome. That's amazing. We're here for it. So take one paw and take the other paw and either stroke, pat, or tap your own hand. And so while you're doing that, I say out loud, this is my hand. This is my hand. This is my hand, right? So we're reminding our body, right? This is mine. Nobody else can control this right now without consent. Meow. Um, <laughs> this is mine, right? I. This is my arm. So you go up your arm. This is my arm. This is my arm because, you know, in, in an activation moment, a moment of not being present, your body's like, does I has arms? What is arms? (laughs) Right? What legs is? I don't know. Just panic. Uh Just leave the room emotionally. Right? So to bring yourself back into presence, this is my chest. These are my breasts. This is my belly. And I would go a lot slower, but you know, with respect for the listener. Um, and so you can do it a little vigorously as part of a morning wake up just to get present. Vigorously, like sort of padding, as you can maybe hear me doing, that can be really useful if you are dorsal, if you are checked out, to just gently bring yourself back. We don't want to do aggressive shaking and things like that when we're in dorsal um, because you can take your body actually from dorsal through ventral and into sympathetic if you do too much activation energy so just a gentle like these are my legs these are my knees and then if you're in sympathetic gently slowly patting your hand this is my hand this is my arm and just really slowing it down and getting present to the feeling of your own fingertips on your arm. If even doing that feels like a little much, you can take two fingertips and gently, 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 gently rub them together. So slowly, so softly that you can actually sort of almost feel the grooves on each fingertip and allow that to start to bring a little bit of presence into the body, into the system. And from there can go into something like this is my arm. That makes me feel good <laughs> listening I'm glad. to it, but yeah. also makes so much. I like that there's two variations for activation yeah. or mm-hmm. soothing yeah. as well. We've heard, yeah. you know, skin touching or caressing before yeah. in terms of like your blueprint when it comes mm-hmm. to you're someone who enjoys like sensory stuff, right. but that also, it just makes sense because if you're someone who enjoys like pressure or touching mm. or soothing, right you know, you're giving that to yourself. Yep. Yeah. And you're telling your body that it's safe to have that input into your nervous system right. in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you can vary it. Like you said, if you want light pressure, if you want to squeeze your hand, if that's what makes you feel safe. I mean, remember scared animals crawl into their, their mama's belly and push up against their, their birthing parent, right? Like that's what they do to feel safe right? Bears, hamsters, humans, right? We burrow in, we get small, when you, even when we're small, and we want pressure 
or we want to be pet, right? So whatever, whatever, if compression suits you, go for it. Like put, put an emotional thunder shirt on yourself. Why not? Why not? Why not? What else are we doing? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I'm available. I'm <laughs> available. <laughs> I'm available for it. Thank you for walking us through that other one. Mm-hmm. I, oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Those are those two exercises that you explained are just, I feel like they would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <sighs> and now <sighs> I would love to give a definition to interdependence because um, you've touched on it. And I, yeah. you know, we just need more of a clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Let's do it. So, in interdependence, we recognize that, again, as pack animals, we are dependent on one another. That's, that's how this works, right? Community is vital. The collective is everything, right? And so a move towards interdependence is both a move away from the extremes of codependence and independence and a move out of the white settler, colonialist, rugged individualist framework for life that says... I am a rock. I am an island, right? I I don't need no kind of nobody because it's bullshit, right? Like that's just not how it works to be a mammal. So because our our nervous systems need each other to regulate. Um, So in interdependence, we recognize that I am an autonomous animal who can make the decisions that I want and need to make for my life. And you are the same. I don't need to fix you. You don't need to fix me. I don't need to manage you. You don't need to manage me. Because those are two things we love to do from our codependence. We love to fix and manage other people's lives because we think that'll make us lovable and thus safe. So in interdependence, you're autonomous. I'm autonomous. And from that autonomy, we come together, not in enmeshment, which is what happens from codependent thinking, uh, but rather we come together in full consciousness with intentionality to build a life together that's based on mutuality and reciprocity. So what that can look like is we we are equally caring for each other and for ourselves. Right. So in interdependence, I don't expect my partner to take care of me instead of them. I don't expect them to to put themselves out for me chronically. Right. I don't expect them to abandon themselves for me. And I will not, I'm not available to do any of those things either, which doesn't mean we don't sometimes put ourselves out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, if I'm out in the world running errands and I like just left target and my partner's like, Oh babe, could you get me the X, Y, Z I really need? Like I'll probably go back into target, (laughs) but right. But not from obligation, not from has to not from the story. I must do this with resentment, with annoyance, with irritation, because I need to prove to them that I'm put myself out for them so that when I need them to put themselves out, they're going to do it. Right. They are now obligated Mm -hmm. and I'm resentful as hell because I don't want to do it. And now I'm looking for them to do the same. Instead, we just do it from, I love this animal. They need face wash. Let (laughs) me go back into the store or I have a call I have to get home for. Not today. I can't do it. I'm not available to do it today, but I'll go for you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Right. We have healthy boundaries that are based on self-love met equally with love for the other. Mm -hmm. 
So we go from saying you first, you first, you first to saying us, right? It's a we kind of thinking. So how do we start moving from the, because when you were talking about, you know, going back in to get face wash, my first right. thought was, oh, because they'll be mad at me if I don't. And my partner right. would never be mad at me right. if I didn't. Yeah. Literally never. Yeah. But that's coming from somewhere. So it's like, how do oh, I yeah. move from that to like, oh, yeah, I really want to out of love. Yeah. Yeah. So some, you know, again, like we were saying, witnessing, allowing and action mm-hmm. is starting to really hear these voices in your head saying those stories. He'll be mad at me. And so then asking ourselves with love, with compassion, with curiosity, with gentleness, with care, is that true? Like, is that thought I just had true? So this is the basis of the thought work that I teach my clients is that we need to to be able to see our habitual thinking so we can ask ourselves, do I like what this thinking creates for me? Does this mindset serve me? And like, also, is that thought I just had and have had for the last 20, 30 plus years, like, is that thought true? Or is it a self-protective mechanism? Is it something I was taught in childhood? Because it's, it's usually the latter, right? I was socialized or conditioned to do that. Or it was modeled for me. Because remember mirror neurons, right? When we are, are smaller humans, particularly ages zero to seven, our brains tell us to do exactly what we see modeled for us in our adults. And so if we saw our parents, particularly moms and other humans socialized as women, not taking care of themselves, putting everyone else ahead of themselves, that's just normalized within our minds, our bodies, our nervous systems, our inner children. They think that's the thing to do to keep us safe because it was for our moms. And frankly, it probably was for us too. Like, right. let's be real, right? And we just get to start to choose something else, but we can't choose something else if we don't know what's being automatically chosen for us. Mm-hmm. Right. That right. makes a lot of sense. In, when yeah. when we saw uh, like interdependence, like within this yeah. writing questions, I had heard it, but I'd never like given too much thought to it. And I also didn't see it as the opposite of codependence. You know, I was like, no, it still has the word dependent in it. Therefore, Mm. it is not making me stronger and it does not mean that I am self-sufficient. But the way that you explain, obviously, which I know like that we're pack animals, you know, like Mm -hmm. you need people to regulate yourself. I would never choose to be alone for forever. Right. But I didn't see interdependence as being a strong quality until the way that you're explaining it right now. Oh yeah. Right on. Yeah. It's crazy. So like does in, I don't, I don't know if we should like stop using the word like independence or should I be like, I am just strong as an interdependent woman. (laughs) Like what, how, how should we phrase that? I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, so here's, here's the pendulum swing I see in my clients over years of doing this work is that we go from having a ton of codependent thinking Uh to having a lot of independent thinking because we, we sort of I don't want to say developmentally, but yeah, kind of developmentally, like in that transition towards interdependence, sometimes we do need to pendulum swing to, no, I'm not going out. I'm not doing that for you. I'm not available. I'm only taking care of me. Uh huh. Right. We need to experience what it is to feel wildly independent and to let that be okay, mind, body, and spirit. 
so that we can then find our way towards interdependent. Got it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because again, we're not headed. I don't, I'm not out here trying to, you know, steer anyone towards that rugged individualism that says, you know, my like hashtag self-care is the only thing that matters. And I can't be a part of this loving community. And like, I don't care about the collective and <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Like it's just all bubble baths and <laughs> spa nights yeah. and, and all of that instead of like, no, my self-care is community care is care for the collective. When I volunteer at the food pantry, that is self-care because I am a part of this whole right Mm -hmm. but but yeah sometimes we do need to swing independent to find our way back that makes sense yeah definitely coming from like in my experience a relationship where like it was constantly like thinking about like oh will this person be mad at me oh this like kind Mm -hmm. of like overthinking everything we've already talked about and now I feel like I am in that pendulum swing and I'm trying to find a happy medium yeah (laughs) one day yeah you're on your way that's what matters right right Right. Yeah. Yeah. And turning that gaze always inward. Mm -hmm. Right. Because when we worry that someone else is going to be mad at us, they're not going to like it. They're, or the, the other side of it, like, uh, I remember with my most recent ex constantly saying, I just want them to respect me Mm. and not realizing I wasn't respecting myself by staying with them. Mm -hmm. Oops. Um, so are they going to, I'm worried they're going to be mad at me. Well, am I mad at me? Do I think this is okay? And really giving ourselves active permission to stop living from obligation, mm-hmm. right? Because that is, is, is a huge part of that codependent experience. We're obligated to take care of everyone, but we're not. Mm-hmm. Right. And from interdependence, we want to take care of the people in our world. Like I love doing nice things for my person, mm-hmm. right? Like I, that, it's a goddamn delight. <laughs> It's so friggin' lovely, but I don't do it to garner additional safety. I do it for the joy of giving from my big open heart. That was beautiful. <laughs> really beautiful. Yes. Oh, this whole experience is beautiful. Yeah. And I feel like we could talk for literally a million more hours. One and I hope hours. that you yeah. will come back on. So that we can continue this conversation. But for now, where can our listeners continue to connect with you after this episode? Yeah. So they can find me on Instagram. I give good gram at Victoria Albino (laughs) Wellness. Um, You can head over to my website. I made a special treat for you. Oh, it's so fun. (laughs) So if you go to victoriaalbina.com slash me. Oh, you can download a set of free meditations, nervous system orienting, exercise, boundaries, meditation. It's just, it's a friggin' delight. It's a goddamn oh delight. God, just a basket of delight straight to your inbox. Honored. For free. <laughs> well, I'm honored to be honored. here. We, the two of you two is magical. I love it. Uh, thank yeah. You and then so my much. podcast is called Feminist Wellness. It's free in all the places all the time go and get it. Uh, and my six month program is called anchored overcoming codependency. And you can learn more on my website, victoriaalbina.com slash anchored. So the last sentence Cass said before hitting record, come shots, ass grabby. Wait, <laughs> ass stuff. Ass stuff. It's going to be so grabby. <laughs> 
So that's what we talk about when the button isn't pushed. Yeah. It doesn't stop. When the mics aren't rolling. Aren't rolling. The tape's not a rolling. <laughs> This um, doesn't turn off, my man. I know. This this is authenticity. 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 Do you want to tell people what I how, did? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the really big ways that I took what Victoria said and applied it to my life. So obviously, we talked about the intro. I just got married. We've been talking about it for a while. I've been getting married for a while. Um, and this year I realized, because I got my wedding dress years ago, Emma and our other friend went with me and it was a great experience. It was so much fun. I got this beautiful dress and that was years ago and it doesn't fit anymore. And so I made the decision like, okay, I need a new dress. And I decided I wanted to go get it myself. And so I went by myself dress shopping and it was such a good experience. Not that I didn't have the most amazing experience with you guys, that was so much fun. This one was just so different because I didn't want anybody else's opinion and I didn't want anybody's opinion to shape my own. And so I picked my dress. Like I picked my dress and I knew exactly, like right when I put it on, I'm like, this is it. I didn't send a picture of it to anybody. I didn't take a picture. I didn't do anything because I'm like, this is it. It doesn't matter. So I just bought it. Um, and it was, I truly, it's like the most beautiful dress in the world. I was, was. so happy. It was so me mm-hmm. and I felt so good in it. And it was just like, I don't know. Show the power of making your own fucking decisions. Yeah, trusting yourself exactly. to make what the decision that's best for you. Not outsourcing mm-hmm. opinions and not outsourcing my own opinion, which is something that I do a lot. Um, and I'm realizing how draining that is and how hard it is to live life that way because I'm constantly having to check in with things I don't even fucking About know. So, with so many yeah. people, because I do the exact same thing. I have like a checklist of people who I'm like, mm-hmm. if they tell me what I just did was wrong, I'm gonna feel so shitty about exactly. myself. And it's like I'm waiting and hoping to feel shitty about myself because mm-hmm. I'm like, here, it's coming. You know, exactly. it's like, just trust yourself and like don't feel shitty. <laughs> and no, you can fucking make mistakes. Yeah. Even if it's wrong, that's okay. That doesn't make you bad. Right. Exactly. Ugh. So many amazing lessons. So thank you so much, Victoria, for being on the episode today. You will be coming back. Yes. And that's already planned. That's already planned. Literally within five minutes of getting off uh-huh. the interview, we had it on the books. And thank you to our listeners for hanging out. Yeah. And as listeners, if you have questions, please, mm-hmm. please, please submit them because that's what we want to frame the next episode around. So if you have specific examples, um, follow-up questions, anything like that, please send them in to us. DM us. Email us. That's it. Snap us. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a snap. I have a Snapchat, but it's not for any of you. Snap Emma. Uh, Just find her. (laughs) She's at. Just kidding. Um, You can also head on over to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me. Um, If you want to leave a written review, I don't know. Uh, Leave it just one person. No, work on being interdependent. You can leave two people as your emoji, but, but know they need that you to be don't. interdependent, not codependent. <laughs> so but figure that know out. Know that you don't need them to be who you are. Yeah. You're an interdependent person. Yeah. I, don't, I can't wow. be more clear than that. <laughs> I can't be more eloquent or beautiful than that. So why don't we just close it on up? Cut. Um, Cut. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.